0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around drinking coffee or wine and talking about writing, publishing, the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, but we don't swear a lot. So please consider us PG-13. This is episode 143, Beyond Cataclysm. Your hosts today are myself, John Schmidt, with Chaz and Karen Brenchley. We're talking with Chris Lowry of Beyond Cataclysm. Welcome, Chris.
1: Hello, thanks for having me on the show. Very excited to be here.
0: I'm, we're very excited to have you, but I have to start with a question because I'm confused. Are you beyond Cataclysm Press? Are you beyond Cataclysm Books? Are You, you seem to do everything. Are you beyond Cataclysm Games? Are you beyond Cataclysm Ska Band? What are you and, and how did you come about?
1: That's a really specific question. You know I run a Ska Punk podcast. I don't think you do know that. That's just, anyway... I do, Yes, actually. I
0: I do, I and mean, I love that's... the thought. But do you have a beyond cataclysm, ska punk?
1: Uh, we we don't know. Um, oh, uh, growth so, opportunity. So we're beyond cataclysm, uh, which comes it comes from a quote from John Wyndham, who wrote Day of the Triffids, which is a bit of a kind of classic of golden sci-fi. If I can read the quote because I quite like it, it must be, I thought, one of the race's most persistent and comforting hallucinations to trust that it can't happen here that one's own time and place is beyond cataclysm um so that's that's the quote we went we we so we just like the quote we 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 quite like John Wyndham's work i mean some of his books are amazing i mean obviously it's quite dated it's not without its issues but it what we are is a loose collective of people who like making creative things and that's mostly publishing but we are branching out a little bit into sort of role play games which also are Are a subset of publishing really but we're not necessarily specifically books so first I love John
2: Wyndham I love him I've read his books right at the age where the cataclysmic feel early teens I think that speaks to to that age and so I'm delighted that that is what you named your publishing business
1: yeah I I think I've always I've always enjoyed John Wyndham stuff I mean it's for me, I mean, he was derided as being writer of cosy catastrophes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I had not heard that. I like yeah, that. It, it was written by, oh, I'm trying to remember the name of the author now, but, but basically somebody, I think somebody a bit jealous used <laughs> it. And I then read some of that author's work and his work is way less good than John Wyndham's. <laughs> I'm I'm personally really drawn to it's it's a lot of, it's set in a, a very sort of 50s England in a very kind of the BBC home service style. And some of his shorts some of his short stories, he has one about the Lunarians, like the Moon people. And there's this brilliant bit where like a moon person jumps out at him and attacks him. And and the wording in it is like it's like with great consternation, I looked to my right and saw there was a Lunarian. I grasped my walking stick and it, it's just it's just so <laughs> brilliant you know (laughs) oh I love that I love that I'm gonna have to look for that story yeah he he actually he had about six middle names it was called John Benyon something 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 Wyndon and he for some reason he wrote he obviously didn't understand about how you need a Twitter presence and an Instagram because he he wrote under about 10 pseudonyms so sometimes it can be hard tracking down all his short stories
2: Oh, I'm at, now. I'm going to have to track down all the short stories because I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, Thanks I
3: I, I remember chasing down the John Bainan name when I was when I, I when I was an avid teenage reader, and uh, I don't think I knew there were many more though, so I probably missed a few. Yeah,
1: we'll have to look. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the ex- I don't know the exact numbers, but I I suspect. I mean, writing was in a very and sci-fi was in a very interesting place in the 50s, wasn't it? In terms of you know, it wasn't looked at as being like a, a proper craft and, and things like that. So you really had to, you know, you had to get things published wherever you could. And it was very kind of scattergun, I think.
2: Hmm. So, so with him as kind of a, as a, an I, ideal or a, a thought or whatever, how does that bring you to books with role-playing in it and, and coffee, for example? How did, how did that move you into doing what you're doing now?
1: Well, so as as I said, we're kind of a loose collective. So, I mean, the main two people working on things at the moment are myself um, and a chap called Dave Emerson from Scotland, who he he runs a he runs a zine press called Visions Press. He, he does an amazing. We have a very different mentality, the two of us. So I like to really work on something. I, I'm like most writers. I've got a novel in the drawer that still needs editing that I finished two years ago, mm. what he's amazing at is he will just come up, he'll come up with an idea and then the next, like two days later, I'll get it in the post. Right? Mm. He's put it together and just thrown it. He's a brilliant kind of understander of the, oh, good enough is the enemy. Excellence is the enemy of good enough.
3: Um, um, no. Um, p- the perfect is the enemy of the good. Yeah.
1: Um, but, 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 yeah. But so, so we, we, our, our first book was actually um, a book called Paper Cuts, which was put together from the punk scene in, in the UK by our friend Sarah Williams. And, and she, she, she got together lots of stories from different people who write in the punk scene. And it was a collection of looking at, at what was good about gigs, festivals and tours. And then our second book was a book of microfiction by myself called The Die Decides, which came out earlier this month. And that was, that was role-play adjacent. So it involved rolling a dice 10 times. Well, not 10 times, a 10-sided dice, rolling that, and that generating story prompts that I then filled the whole book with.
3: Okay, I need to know more about this. How do you generate story prompts with a die?
1: Well, if I turn to page 172 of my uh, <laughs> book, I have a table. So 1 to 10 correlates to, so first of all, you roll for length. So say you roll six, you get 600 words, mm. um, and then I had, I did a Kickstarter for it, and the the backers submitted category selections, and, and we when it, we kind of compressed them down into kind of the core ones that have been suggested, and then the same with theme. So, well, we can do it now. Would one of you like to imagine you've rolled a ten-sided dice?
0: I can okay. do better than that. We have a 10 <laughs> uh, well, I have a ten- <laughs> ten-sided Ooh. dice. Right here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's go with that six for the first one. For our second one, ten.
1: Okay, and one more four. So we're doing we're doing six hundred words on cookery with the theme of survival. Oh, Chaz. magnificent, Chaz! That's you. That's you. You must do one. I mean, I'm just. It is quite amazing because immediately I'm like, do we go with some kind of cool kind of you know, commercial kitchen level betrayal, or actually do we just go with someone who doesn't know how to cook and they're right on the edge of, you know, or do you set the whole thing in just, in a, in a post-apocalyptic wasteland and it's just actually, how do you cook food when, you know, there's no civilization? Yeah,
3: exactly, I mean, that, 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 that would
0: be my immediate take. And I immediately took it as you're out in the wilderness because I have friends who do this and someone has handed you a trout and what do you do no. now? And much worse someone has handed you half a squirrel.
2: Yeah, oh <laughs> you
0: know? And so think, oh. then the whole Scheherazade thing, but instead of being a, a storyteller, it's a male Scheherazade and he cannot speak, but he must, if the meal does not please the over thing, he will be eaten.
1: That's a great idea there for like a, a wilderness cookery book. And it's just called half a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh John, John, you that's, must. You must. No, actually, no, it, no, no. The the, ta- the table for this I've actually got on my personal website. So if, it, if anyone wants to go to allaboutchris.org forward slash microfiction, um, you can actually just press a button there and it'll roll the dice and generate your story prompts for you. Oh, it's cool. Oh, I love it. Well, so actually I, the, the
2: the book you've got is called The Die Decides. And so yeah. actually, I first the I first read that, even though I've been a role player for for half a century, I read it as the die as in the death kind of die decides. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, that's kind of that's kind of a dark, you know, that's kind of that kind of, you know. And then I was thinking, oh, this must just be you roll a die and you find out how you die.
1: And that was my other <laughs> thought. And so I like your version better. <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I intentionally went with it's got it's got stuff you can play with there. There's also just the fact that most people would say the dice decides. Yeah, um, like uh, which yeah probably has has confused people, but. That's that's fine. Confused and then asking questions is better than ignored. Yes, exactly. That's that was
2: my thought too. It made me interested. If you said the dice decide, I would have gone. Ah, yeah. But now I'm like, oh, okay. Now I want to look into it. So yeah, I think you did the right thing.
0: For me, I immediately saw Legion because, of course, uh, yacta est, The die is cast. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so that that's one thing. And then what we're working on now, we've got. We've got two projects on the go. So we've got um, Tyrannosaur Inside is a roleplay setting. So it, you can you can drop it into. It, it's not a standalone game. It, it will it works in in any roleplay game setting that you're sort of comfortable with, really. But it's a story about a huge giant Tyrannosaurus suddenly lands in your village, um, and you need to go inside it to destroy it. Okay. So you have to so- be eaten by it. Uh, well, well
0: I, there's other ways into a tyrannosaurus but do we really want to contemplate those let's go back to half a story. <laughs> although
2: it might be show, is it a real tyrannosaurus
1: like or is it a mechanical tyrannosaurus so i really enjoyed i, I think what is nice about roleplay games is there's a real there's a, a suspension of disbelief that is is stronger than in a story so so in thing in in roleplay called a hex crawl which is which is where you have hexagons and each hexagon is a different place. So often it would be a map and you'd have like, here's the town, here's the forest and here's the desert. And each hex is one of those. So I enjoy the pun of the T-Rex crawl, like a hex cruelty. Ah. But with that, there is a, there's an, an acceptance, especially because it's very clearly billed as something that's quite silly. It means that I can go from, you know, the, one of the rooms is incredibly sci-fi and high-tech and is obviously the inside of some kind of mechanical contraption. And then the very next room is a huge glolloping thing full of intestines. <laughs> um, uh, and sorry. if you did that in a book and you had a chapter where they walked through the door and it was that it, it would be quite a hard sell, I think. But whereas in a in a in a story, you you already know it's you know there's there's T Rexes inside smoking cigarettes, and there's a there's a drone copter that is a T Rex attached to a drone. Like there's lots of quite silly things in it that are just fun, and you're kind of allowed to have fun at them, and then enjoy being murdered by them or whatever takes your fancy.
2: <laughs> <really>. <laughs> Great, that sounds like fun. It really does.
1: I'd like um, to
0: ask about your other endeavor, uh, although I'm fond of T-Rexes in many forms, especially since there's one that's been stripped by flamingos quite near to us here in Silicon Valley. Coffee is everywhere and eternal. And you, we talk about coffee, we drink coffee, but you are publishing a book about coffee. Can you tell us about that?
1: Well, it's it's all about the gimmick. That's the that's the key to these things. So um, we had the idea of of making a bag of coffee. With its own ISBN number called ISBN Coffee. And partly that's to support a really nice local coffee shop that we've got called Dick's Bean Bar. But in doing that, we had a look into the specification for ISBN numbers and discovered it's very clear that it has to be on a printed work and that you can't, you know, that you can't just put it on your dog or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so we but we realized that we could be cheeky and by publishing a, a companion companion book with the bag of coffee, we could then put the ISBN number that is on the book onto the coffee. And that gave us a really real excuse to just have a really fun book that is just all about celebrating the the art of coffee, the 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 time that you have with coffee, you know. So so some people Love coffee for the, the flavor or for the pretentious attempts at saying they can smell strawberries in it or, <laughs> or that sort of thing. I enjoy coffee, but I, I really enjoy the process and just the kind of I like I mostly drink decaf, but actually I still think it's a really important part of my waking up process is just so, grinding the coffee and you know, I, I find
0: yeah All right. So what do you use? Are you a French press person? Pour over espresso. Oh, no.
1: I went down a deep rabbit hole when when lockdown hit, so we were were homeschooling three children um, and quite quickly, they all ended up drinking coffee, too. And so we were having I was making five cappuccinos every morning and I had this I had an espresso machine, but it was it was it was very much like a cheapo consumer. It was about I think it cost me about 30 quid, so about 40 (laughs) dollars. (laughs) <laughs> um, and it just couldn't cope really so I was spending about 40 minutes making coffee and so that made it meant it was completely reasonable for me to say to my wife look if I go and buy a, a second-hand commercial espresso machine I'm basically saving us money. Yes. Uh, and she, she looked at me with a, an expression that said very deeply that she understood that I was talking nonsense but nevertheless gave me permission so I have a it's a an italian it's a bazera machine nice and it's uh yeah it's a little bit lovely it's quite a small one but it it can it can whip out quite a few uh, quite a few coffees
2: so speaking as a wife you have a very understanding one but i also <laughs> want to know i also want to know how you managed to homeschool three highly caffeinated children
1: well i mostly drink decaf so that helps ah. um but I, yeah i, I we, it was It hasn't really. It hasn't really come up. The only time that caffeine has been a huge problem recently was in. We we did a coffee testing for the book for art, um, <laughs> and uh, we we needed to decide which coffee we were going to provide. You know that was going to be in the bag of ISBN coffee. Um, and so we Dick's Bean Bar did a brilliant thing for us. They 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 gave us what did they give us? They gave us a, a cheapo blend. They gave us a, a kind of a signature a signature single origin and then they gave us a really fancy pretentious single what's the word single farm so it's not even just single origin it's from like all from one specific farm
3: Um, yes the plants have names
1: yeah exactly yeah yeah and um you know they're sung a particular song at bedtime each night And we, we did a, it was still in lockdown when we were doing that. Uh, and so we did a blind, we did, we got, so he labeled these bags for us A, B, and C, mm-hmm. and then gave us envelopes that had what they were, but we didn't know. So we yep. did completely blind. Yep. Um, and three of us did it over Zoom. But as part of that day, we each drank 12 double shots of coffee in the space Woo-hoo! of about 45 minutes. And <laughs> oh my God. Really wild. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> which one did you choose? Ah, oh, we actually, interestingly, it was a nice one, because we we all did it blind, yeah. and we all chose the same one, which was quite lovely, of, of the three of us. We all went for a Cuban Serrano. Um, okay. It was number B, was or letter B. Yeah.
3: Cool. How are you going to deal if this book becomes... Sorry, this book coffee package becomes a, a huge and unexpected hit? <laughs> if you go viral, how are you going to manage distribution of thousands packs of coffee
1: wow I, I mean i'll be honest i don't necessarily have an answer for you right now <laughs> but i think it would be a good problem to have wouldn't it? It, would uh, yeah.
3: it
1: yeah i i think i think if that does become a you know i think when we when we get to the point of we'll probably do something crowdsourced to kind of generate a bit of interest and just kind of kind of finalize a launch date and that sort of thing and if you know i think we will we'll include Worst case estimates of you know of if you know if we get a thousand people buying it, then we might have to provide a bit of a delay. You know, you might have to wait an extra couple of months for your bag mm-hmm. of coffee so that it arrives fresh and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, I think I think it'll be doable. Um,
3: <laughs> I love th- I love this whole project. It's just it's just so on point. I might have to submit something. To- you are open to submissions now, aren't you?
1: Absolutely. So if people go to beyondcataclysm.co.uk, Uh, which is of course spelt so that you mistype it at least three or four times beyondcataclysm.co.uk there's just a submissions page that you can you can click there and we're open to anything flash fiction poetry short stories not novels that might be a bit hard (laughs) to fit in but also non-fiction as well we'd love people to write some stories of of their own experiences with coffee or why they hate coffee? <laughs> uh, we've we've got a couple of people writing some role play like single page role play games that you play whilst waiting for the cafetiere to settle that <laughs> <way>.
3: <laughs> genius <laughs> yeah. that is that is such fun. So I, will this be will this be a physical book or
2: just oh, definitely uh, it will be a physical book yeah definitely. good. Okay. So what comes after coffee? I see other things on your website and you've got, you know, your shop and distro. What are the other two or three other um, books? Uh, Screaming Punk Punk Planet Zine, some of these other things. What what else do you do?
1: So we don't, the Punk Planet Zine is, is one of Dave's, one of Dave's from Visions Press. So we we have a distro on the site. We sell our own stuff and then we're just starting to stock a bit more role play (laughs) and we're definitely going to do some literary zines and things like that. I mean, the question is, what else do we have? We've, I mean, I wrote a board game on a cycle ride and have been playtesting it today, even while I'm meant to be doing other things. So I'm I'm there's there's always a hundred things on the list. We've just added half a squirrel. That's gonna be a, a challenging <laughs> I love the next, that. The next big I'll be submitting. Can... Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. We've got a few more things in the role play arena that we're working on, but I think the big thing from a literary perspective is we are starting a journal. So a, a, a sci-fi. Well, really more of a a speculative fiction zine that's going to be, you know, probably I'm I'm just leaning over to my shelf to get a couple of examples. I don't know if you've come across Infinite Worlds or Shorelines of Infinity or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, something something on that kind of idea of size. So maybe with eight to 10 authors per issue, Mm -hmm. it will be physical. Just, I mean, we'll have a digital version as well, but... I just don't get on well with digital. Like is in it's fine. I, I understand it has a place, but I'll sit down and read Infinite Worlds in paper form and I will yeah. p- own the PDF for a hundred years and never read it.
3: Yeah, yeah, me too, me too, exactly that. I just like a physical book in my hands.
1: But yeah, so that's that's probably going to be called the Beyond Cataclysm Journal, unless you've got a better name for us, because we're still still workshopping that one. And that'll be a, a semi-annual um thing. But that'll that'll be open for submissions, it would be paid. It'll probably lean towards like plucky adventurous stories. So things with a little bit of a little bit of humor, um, a little bit of you know we're open to things like you know a bit of horror and stuff like that, but just stuff that I don't know is a little bit smart rather than maybe just very atmospheric. Yeah, that sort of thing, the kind of stuff I like to read, you know
3: Yeah, absolutely. So that's you know we've talked about basically your publishing house. You write yourself, though, don't you?
1: Yes. So I I, I wrote the die decides over the last year. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I actually loved it. So I hadn't really written much flash fiction for starting the project. I've written a written a few just to kind of get my eye in, and I've I've had a few good reviews, which has been nice. Um, mm-hmm. I think it really. I, I'm sure you've come across the Stephen King kind of classification of writers as planners or seat of the pantsers. Yeah, um, but I, I just find flash fiction just so, especially with the the way these story prompts were generated. I would kind of have a bit of an idea. I would throw myself into it, and just as just as I was, you know, it, it would just be just the right time frame for my brain to mm. be like, okay, here's like we probably need a twist soon, and I'd be like, yeah, actually, I've only got three hundred words, and i will be like, and, and then it's and, you know so. It, I didn't, it didn't need a lot of editing or, I mean, it probably does. You'll probably read it and say, oh, this (laughs) needs a lot of editing, (laughs) Um, but actually I I found compared to, so I have written a novel as well, um, which is called To Get Out of a Headlock, deep in the middle of editing at the moment and has been for about two years, but
3: (laughs) that's, that's a long editorial process.
1: Well, it's called, it's called COVID hit and I just couldn't Uh, do anything for
3: three months. Yeah. Yeah are you are you working are you working with somebody else's editor
1: yes yeah so I've got a, a, my process for that it's been I mean I have worked I've worked with editors on my an editor on my latest role play uh project as well which has been really helpful I've had a first glance at it from an editor and mm. then I've that's given me enough to realize here are the kind of systematic structural changes that are, are needed in kind of in my sentences and, and yeah. that sort of thing So no. I've, I've nearly finished my full take like second run through with that, and then they're going through and providing a, a little bit more of a uh, of a blow by blow. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm finding it's helpfully. It's not. I'm I'm not getting the feedback. This is awful and needs mm-hmm. you know chapters ripped out and things like that. It's 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 at the point where it can be polished.
2: Right. Nice. Good. And of course, the polishing run is always the thing you put off the most because it's it's so tedious. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, lo- I love polishing. I hate dismantling and reconstructing. Yeah, but I love that final polish.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. It has been, it has been wonderful. Um, has been wonderful doing that. There's a, there's a chap called uh, Tim Clare who writes, who, who does a podcast called Death by a Thousand Cuts. Oh, I've um, that. Yeah. Which is a re- it's a really, I mean, he's he's very, very funny. Um, he's he's horribly sarcastic and uses some some fairly disgusting but completely brilliant metaphors in his in his but he he takes people's first page of work and kind of rips them apart and and, and restructures them but he not in a horrible people submit them so it's voluntary okay um, yeah but, but he he does it in a yeah he, he does it in a very insightful way which so I, the one bit i'm not not settled on is my is my first page that that definitely needs work my real love in writing is research actually um i like writing fairly hard sci-fi that so I recently submitted something to Hexagon magazine which of course got rejected but uh it was a uh, about a um about a wooden spaceship okay ah uh, cool like a spaceship completely made of wood and, I, yeah. and because it was flash fiction I didn't need to explain why it had to be made no. of wood which was good but as part I did loads of Uh, You know, the amount of reading I did for a a thousand word story was ludicrous, but some of the stuff was amazing. Like, so if you put a a wooden spaceship in, so so first of all, what do you think the temperature is? If you went into space a mile outside of the atmosphere, what do you think the average temperature out there is?
0: In the sun or in the shade?
1: Yeah. Well, ah, you know, what's the average temperature? Mm. No clue. So mo- most people have asked have guessed, you know, minus, you know, minus 100 degrees Celsius or probably like, a, I don't know, 150 Fahrenheit or in Kelvin, you know, sort of hun- yeah. about 100, 150. The actual answer is um, it's about 10 degrees Celsius. So that's that's it, it's above the freezing point of water mm-hmm. um, because obviously the, most of the time it's not in shade because the the, yeah. the the Earth isn't as big as as how much the sun is. But, but, but it actually, although that's an average temperature, it actually goes from minus incredibly, incredibly low to to plus, you know, 150 degrees. So it's a big swing. But if you put a wooden spaceship out there, what would happen is it gets extremely hot on one side and then so cold it, it's ready to crack on the other side, whereas a metal spaceship conducts that heat all the way around. Yeah. And, ah, yeah. that's
2: why
3: they make them out of steel rather than wood.
2: I don't <laughs> exactly. wondered.
0: Yeah. it. Well, but I if might. you can, if you can grow the spaceship, you can have the the capillary action of the Ooh. water moving the heat around. Ooh. And now we have fungus spaceships. And yes. wow, we're deep into science fiction. And someone is going to come out of one of the news groups and smack me for growing potatoes on Mars next. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think. But what's so good? about what's so fun about research, and especially this kind of area? You know, I needed to find out temperatures, and so it turns out NASA provides like they've just got a list of like of the heat of the front of their missiles, like you know the, the the heat probe on the front of all of their missiles that have been fired since like the '40s. They've got just a database online that you can just read. So I was able to. Able to find out what degree of paint can you buy in your local hardware shop, mm. but will still provide enough heat proofing for the front of the spaceship based on NASA's fit figures? Amazing. <laughs>
2: well, I wonder how many times they were asked that to make them just put that up in the net so it'd be left alone.
0: Too. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some scientists having joy that anyone's looked at it and we've just made their day
1: yeah i'm probably the first person to access it and like you
0: know like no no <laughs> we've got geeks everywhere we've got coffee geeks we've got nasa geeks unfortunately we've got end of time geeks at which point it'll probably be i think the background radiation of the universe is four degrees celsius still warm enough to keep things warm we're going to put links to all these interesting things on the website which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com and links to
1: beyond cataclysm um, we've got all the details on there as well
0: perfect you can also find writers drinking coffee on facebook or twitter uh, we answer email we do respond to tweets and as i assume does the press
1: yes absolutely um and i'm i'm on there as well uh at cm lowry author
0: excellent i we will provide links these so you don't have to try to spell it you can just click it and go and especially the Half a Squirrel story generation tool on your webpage, which is, now if I started a press, I'm afraid I'd have to call it Half a Squirrel, so I'm just going to have to rely on your It's a
1: really solid name, isn't
0: it? It really is. Yeah, it's going to go somewhere.
1: Yeah.
0: And You have been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee and Talking About Half a Squirrel, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is Dave Welsh. Our sponsor today is ISBN Coffee, which you should submit to, which is on the web. We also like your local coffee shop. Go submit to them, or at least submit yourself to a cup of coffee. Our intro and ex- exit music is by Michael Enberg. You can hear more from Michael Enberg on manyhatsmusic.com. And hey, thanks for listening.